Okay, welcome sports fans to the Thanksgiving edition of the TMG podcast. This is Chris Dufresne of TMG, and we are joined by the noisemakers, we, we call them, you know, like the Jordanaires. Mark Blauchin is uh, sitting in somewhere in Massachusetts. Herbie Gould joined us. Herb, are you at your uh, winter home? In, are you on the lake, or are you in... Excellent. We came up north while they're uh, refinishing the floor. So yeah, I'm up in the frozen tundra, not far from Lambeau Field. The frozen tundra. Now, if you missed last week's podcast, you missed the uh, construct ongoing construction at, at Herb's uh, uh, house in Chicago, and we got a lot. We well, got, yeah, that's why I thought we would get away from that noise. <laughs> we got and, uh, yes, a cacophony of sounds. Um, and then we joined this week. We have our, uh, we, he's not really a guest. He's sort of one of us. Tom Lucci is, is filling in for Tony Barnhart, who's filling in for Paul Feinbaum, who's filling in for Reese Davis. Who, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that sequence, but Tony's not with us today. He's on uh, big time radio or whatever Feinbaum shows on these days, probably everything. Tom Lucci, SEC Network, yeah. SEC Network, right? Tom Lucci, welcome to back to the uh, Thank you. to the show. We're and, waiting, uh, we're, we're awaiting the Arctic blast here. Uh, so, so really, what uh, is that? What is that? A nor is it a nor'easter? Eh, I suppose it's a combination thing. It's supposed to be one of the coldest Thanksgivings uh, on record. Oh wow! So we'll see. Sorry to hear that. Uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm not far from. Uh, I don't live too far from Piscataway, where the best team in town is Piscataway High School. <laughs> Or did they make some sort of playoffs? I hope. Oh yeah, they're they're like number four in the state. They're okay. really good. They're good every year. All right. The only good team in Piscataway. Okay. I, is somebody raking leaves? Herb, is that you? Are you rustling papers or what? Are you, are you eating? Not at all. I'm just. I think sitting here very quietly. At, uh, Blau, is that you or Lucci? I'm, I'm not doing a thing. I'm just sitting here quietly too. Lucci, are you are you no. eat, are you eating anything? No, I am not. <laughs> Do you want to go get something? <laughs> no, I'm saving up for tomorrow. Are you kidding me? Saving all the stomach space I have. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's get on with the show. First, we want to thank our weekly sponsor, Appa, AppaGames.com, the unchallenged king of quality sports strategy games. Uh, Appa is the perfect thing to be playing over the holidays. We, we got two games. Uh, uh, kids coming home. I'm definitely going to break out the baseball game this weekend. Mark, uh, talk a little bit about APA games. Uh, any games you're working this, the card games. Now we, we talked about the 1908 Cubs playing the the Red Sox. I don't. Is that possible? I mean, would you have would you have to get the cards for that game? Yes, I wonder you if John, have to get the cards back. Uh, now, but I wonder. I think they have them, right, Earl? A friend of mine said he had the 1908 Cubs. So yes, and I, I think the recent ones would not be even in question. That would be fun. All right. Yeah, I want to do that too. That's your home. That's your homework forward. assignment. Homework assignment for somebody over the Christmas or the holidays. Um, but uh, let's move on to, to the big week at hand. Uh, Herb, let's let's start with the Big Ten because we, we you got the big game. Jim Harbaugh, you wrote a story this week, uh, basically saying this is a must win for Harbaugh. He, they. Michigan is sitting pretty. They're in, they're in the playoff race. Um, they've the revenge tour has gone very well so far. But uh, he has to beat Ohio State, right? Or or else, I don't know what would happen. I think so. I mean, you know, everything has gone well for Michigan this 
this fall, including everything not going well for Ohio State. I mean, if you can't beat them this year, then, I, you know, it just it lingers. I mean, I don't I'm, I'm not prepared to say that they're going to, you know, that he's going to be gone or anything. But right. but I just think that the cloud that it puts on the program, the pressure only increases when you've got this kind of a, of a losing streak. I think 13 out of 14 to Ohio State and everything's going well for Michigan. I mean, they need they need to win this one. There's no question. Uh, you know, Harbaugh was getting jumped on even in the preseason about not being able to do well against Ohio State and Michigan State. I think they were one and five going into the year. So yeah, I mean this this is a must win in every way for for Harbaugh and the Wolverines. Yeah, Tom Lucci, Professor Tom, let, uh, let's bring you. What do you make of what's going on with Urban? Uh, I'm calling it Urban's sideline antics. I mean, he's it's it's almost painful to watch. He's just going through these. Some pe- some people on the internet, uh, you know, one famous kind of bomb thrower out there is uh, is claiming that Urban is faking it. <laughs> you know, this sympathy thing, but it's it's very hard to watch him these days. Is going through his all his you know, you know to, to be honest with you, it's hard to comment on because we don't. I mean, well, you don't know just to his medical records, right? You know, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, it seems like uh, he's in a lot of anguish when they're behind. You know, that's the perception. Or maybe the cameras are just not on him when, when you know, when they're ahead. But uh, yeah. he, he just seems like he's suffering. You know, he was suffering a lot in that Mar- Maryland game, um, which it appeared to be, because they, they panned to him uh, yeah. you know, about every other play. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to, you know, I really don't just don't want to weigh in on a guy's medical issue because I don't know. I mean, if yeah. I knew, I would, I would certainly have an informed opinion. But I, I just don't know how anybody can say anything. Except Urban Meyer. Yeah, but the, but peop, that that's the thing about the the world we live in. People don't care. Uh, you know, they'll say anything out there. You know, it's like I agree. I agree with you. We don't know what's going on in his in his in his brain, and uh, right. but uh, it doesn't stop people from making outrageous. Well, comments. you know, the other thing about it, guys, is the larger point is uh, whether he has a medical issue or not is one question, but the larger question is just. The way they're playing, you know, they're not only not good on the field, but you're calling into question the way they're being coached. And when you add in the suspension at the beginning of the year, you know, there there are just so many negative things going on with that program. And, and, And not, you know, the least, you know, maybe the biggest one being that they can't tackle, you know, and they don't run very well. And those are not characteristics of, Quality football teams. Yeah. Well, what does it say, Herb? If they're going through all that, and they're still ten and one. Is the Big Ten that bad? I mean, is he still getting by on coaching because your defense is horrible? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, Luch. I mean, I think that if you look at at their, you know, they haven't played a really complete game since Myers' first game back against Tulane. I mean, they've been trailing in the in the second quarter or later against you know the Indianas and Minnesotas, and and here we just saw. You know, they were very lucky to get out of Maryland alive the other day. Um, you know, they're not playing well. And, and, you know, I don't like to read too much into margin of victory and things. But when you have a pattern of just barely getting by or for a team like that, you know, pouring it on in the fourth quarter, they're just not they're not good. I mean, you're right. It's, isn't it amazing that we're talking about a 10-1 and team as if they were five and six. Yeah, but, well, <clears throat> but that's that's kind of the way they're playing. They're just they're just getting it done at the end of the game, and yet it doesn't build confidence 
when they get into quality opponents. Right. Or or maybe there were only a few a couple really good teams. Look at look at this week's top ten guys, and I'll bring let's bring um, uh, Mark Blauchin in on this. Let me comment first. You talked about uh, Luch. You talked about Ohio State uh, have you know playing horrible defense. Well, look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is sitting right in the the college football playoff. Uh, you know, right? They're 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 sitting right there. They just gave up forty to Kansas. Who gives up forty to Kansas? Number seven LSU has a twenty nine nothing shutout home shutout on their resume. Hasn't stopped them. Uh, I can give you somebody who gave up 40 to Kansas. <laughs> that is not. I'm talking about a, a team that a team that is that is still in the contention for the college football playoff. Okay. Well, you got to qualify that stuff, Duke. Okay, but I'm saying, look at you know, look at what we're dealing with. Uh, uh, Ohio State. Uh, this, these are top ten teams we're talking about. Ohio State has a 29 point loss uh, to Purdue. Um, Central Florida certainly gave up, you know, 800 yards to, to Temple, and uh, so maybe there's just not that. Blau, come, come, maybe there's just not that many good teams. This is what we have. Well, you're right. I mean, and we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago when they had the big upsets. After the first nine teams, we could. I mean, everyone else in the top, in the bottom between 10 and 20 teams to lose. We just know who to put in between nine and 16. Um, and I mean, the biggest change I've noticed this year, uh, this week though. I just talked to Mike Oresco about this, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, who was doing, who was celebrating what happened last night. So what happened last night? He says Kirk Kirk Herbstreit gave them some love. And Kirk Herbstreit was was one of the biggest critics of Central Florida for, for weeks and weeks, and said they didn't deserve it, they, they shouldn't be considered. And then yesterday he goes on and says they're better than Ohio State, um, which is a major breakthrough for Central Florida. Okay, yeah, that that is. If 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 not that anybody's, uh, I I haven't watched that show in two weeks. I'm sorry to say because there's no drama in, in those standings. But to, to your point, you mentioned, and let's I'll throw this stat in too, and we could talk about Central Florida. But listen to this stat: Washington, the Washington Huskies, who are I think a little bit undervalued uh, by the committee, but that's fine. They they have three losses by a total of ten points, but. Washington has moved up nine spots in the in the ranking in the last two weeks. Their opponents have been by and Oregon State, and you can move up <laughs> nine spots by by not playing and then playing the worst one of the worst you know five teams in in, in the Power Five. But to your point, Central Florida, number number nine, they they're getting respect now. But I did sort of a um, uh, you know a case study on on. On Central Florida, comparing them to what Utah has done, what 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 happened if Central Florida played in the Pac-12, and that Pac-12 is not even obviously one of the top Power Five, but Utah, twelve and zero, twice when they were in the Mountain West, once in two thousand eight, and they beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Since joining the Pac-12 in two thousand eleven, eight years. They've just won the pack, their first division this year. They're under 500 in conference play. Is that is that a uh, Lucci? Is that a um, you know a, a case study for what would happen to Central Florida in any Power Five conference? I know I, I don't know if the only because I, I think if you're Utah, you're Central Florida, you get into a Power Five, you have to recruit a little differently, and you should recruit a little better, and, and that takes a little time. Um, just 
my couple of quick observations. That the amazing thing to me is if you look at where Oklahoma sits, I think at number ten. No, uh, Oklahoma. We're talking about the fall off from there. Right after Oklahoma. Oh, Ohio State. Of, you mean Ohio three State? Three lost teams. You mean so Ohio? Talking, oh, yeah, right. The number eleven team in the country. You said three lost team. That's number one. Number two, if I'm Central Florida, I understand they're hanging their hat on Pittsburgh and uh, you know, the comparison with Notre Dame and all that kind of stuff. I have to be honest with you, I wasn't dazzled by UCF in that game against Cincinnati. I thought they were good. I, I think they proved that they're, they're a top 10 team. They don't look to me like a top four team. I, I just thought they were good. You know, I just offensively, they, they were okay. You know, and then defensively, they had some issues, even though. Uh, you know, Cincinnati struggled to score, but Cincinnati is a very young team with a freshman quarterback. So I wasn't overwhelmed with them. I, I, I'm more in the camp now of anything of Washington State. Well, yeah, it's interesting. And Central Florida still has a number 95 strength of schedule uh, rating. But uh, Herbie, uh, I, you know, I thought Central Florida, I thought I thought they were better last year. Obviously, defensively, they were better last year. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're kind of an old, they remind me of the old AFL teams. You know, they go up and down the field, at least the, when I've seen them. Um, you know, the, the, to your original question, how would they do in a Power 5 conference? You know, I, I think that that's a good question to ask, not only of, of Central Florida, but I would like to see how Clemson did if they were in the SEC or the Big Ten, where you get, you know, they're not necessarily, especially the Big Ten, not necessarily great opponents, but very physical, and they beat the hell out of you every week. And and I think that takes a toll. I would put Notre Dame in that category. You know, I, I think we're, we're always forced to compare apples and oranges, but we just really don't know. You know, the beating that you take in certain leagues can take a toll, and that's why I think that a lot of times these Big Ten teams get exposed, you know, why in Ohio State has a, you know, those kind of glitch games that they've had the last couple of years. And, and I don't think you see that as much outside of the Big Ten and the SEC. Right, there's a clown horn. I like the clown horn there. Uh, but I think- yeah, I know Blau is always <laughs> commenting on me. <laughs> uh, no, that's a good point. Here uh, to, I mean, some of the numbers I, I mentioned. Utah, Utah is thirty-four and thirty-eight since joining the Pac-12. Uh, so, and they were undefeated in two thousand eight. Uh, Herbie, to your point, it's interesting. The top Alabama has a sixty-one best schedule in the country. They're number one. Clemson to, is is number forty-nine, and even Michigan is is forty. So, you know, playing the toughest schedule in the world. Uh, you know, it's it not necessarily get you to where you want to go. Um, uh, UCLA has the number one schedule in the country, and they're three and eight. Uh, but anyway, I, it is an interesting point. And you mentioned you mentioned the AFL, the old AFL. What about the the new NFL? If you watch the Monday night game, um, uh, with the Rams and the Chiefs at the Coliseum, and it really was an old. Uh, and, and and Jared Goff mentioned that he said it was like Cal versus uh, Texas Tech, you know, Mahomes versus uh, Jared Goff at Cal. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the things I think we're seeing in the NFL, I, I was just reading an old book about, you know, the 58 Baltimore Colts, and, and, and I'm a big Johnny Unitas guy. He was one of my heroes when oh, I was yeah. a kid, even though I had, you know, not a Colts fan. But I think that... What those guys were, they were getting the hell beat out of yeah. them when they were quarterbacks in those days. And now, for good reason, quarterbacks are protected. You can't, 
you can't breathe on those guys. And I'm not complaining about that, but it changes the dynamic of the game, and it does produce higher scores when the quarterback is like, you know, vacuum sealed and can't be roughed up. I mean, they used to, that used to be a, a regular occurrence in the NFL. You beat on the quarterback, and by the fourth quarter, he was gun shy. Yeah, well, what about beat, what about defensive backs uh, beating on receivers all the way down the field? They could, you know, or, or a guy coming over the middle getting clotheslined uh, by by uh, you know Jack Tatum or one of you know somebody like that. That doesn't, they don't, you know, they, that doesn't happen anymore. These guys just are running. It's like, you know, it's like pinball out there. Uh, Jersey guy, do you like this? Now, this is, uh, I thought it was kind of funny because that was like it, any Big Twelve game. They were hailing this as the greatest football NFL game in the Monday Night History. That's like every other Saturday in the uh, in the Big Twelve or Maryland, you know, Ohio State last weekend or Oklahoma or Kansas. Uh, but I guess that was a big deal for the NFL. Uh, all right, guys, let's look look a little bit at the Heisman race, uh, and I think we all gave it to to Tua Tongo Bayaloa of Alabama about a month ago. Uh, but look at what Kyler Murray, look at the numbers he's putting up. Uh, and not only is he sort of matching to his numbers uh, as a passer, uh, uh, Kyler Murray has 800 rushing yards and like 10 touchdowns. Uh, Professor Tom Lucci, should we, I mean, we start looking at Kyler Murray uh, over Tua, or well, is this just a product of bad teams he's playing? Yeah, you know, his, his, uh, his numbers are almost identical to in a lot of areas. And I'm talking almost identical to the yard and touchdown to Baker Mayfield when he won the Heisman Trophy. But, um, you know, I, I think the fact that the league has a perception as an offensive league, um, that uh, it, there's no guaranteed playoff team yet, no top four team yet, I, I think those things may work against him. But he's a spectacular talent. I, I don't think there's any question. But, you know, two is the best player on the best team. And he's he's got numbers to back it up. So, I I mean, I do vote on the Heisman. I, 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 you'd have to really persuade me not to vote for Tua. Yeah. Well, what, but what's his, what's Tua's Heisman moment? Does he have any moment where he said, uh, 30, 31 touchdowns to two interceptions? Yeah. Yeah. Also, an offense that scores on the first possession of every game, an offense that's that's so good that he doesn't even play in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it's. You know, you you can't blame him for things that he doesn't have to do. I mean, he doesn't he hasn't right. been in a tight game, but that's not you know that shouldn't be a black mark on the resume. No, but, but isn't the Heisman supposed to be? To, you know, I, I I get it, but I'm saying he's he has not had and, and against the two toughest defenses he's faced, they sort of slowed him down. Uh, Mississippi State and LSU, he wasn't you know he he went nuts against the Citadel. Last week. Well, but. yeah, you know, the other part of that is the Citadel, I don't even know what they were trying there. <laughs> I mean, in many instances, he didn't even need to be in that game. And LSU is going to say, well, we're going to take this guy away and we're going to make you beat us a different way. So, you know, I mean, I can't punish a guy for not having, you know, a gaudy numbers against a defense that, that's going to say we're going to get beat by somebody different. Yeah. Uh, I just don't have a problem with the best player on the best team being the Heisman Trophy winner. That seems to be where the world is these days. Mark Blouchin, you have a problem? What about my guy Gardner Minshew out here in Washington State? 
Uh, how about some love for him? The garden. spectacular. I mean, the six touchdown passes. Seven. You no, know, against Arizona last week in the first, I mean, you know, 51 points in the first half. I mean, I think, I mean, first of all, just two things here. First of all, two isn't even on the board in Vegas. You can't take odds on them because they it's so one-sided in terms of, of what the, the odds are of him winning. But the other thing is, I think if there is going to be a change, which I, I agree with everybody else, I don't think there is going to be. I think two will still win. Best, best player and the best team. It will happen this weekend. Auburn, Alabama, you know, Washington, Washington State, um, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Any of those guys or all those guys, if they have a bad game, a spectacular game, that will factor in the voters. Because voters, it's a TV award, and it'll get decided in the last weekend decision. When people turn on the TV set, that, oh, he's really good. I mean, and, and, and Herb Street or somebody else says, this guy deserves the Heisman. That, that has an effect. Uh, yeah, you're probably right, and uh, uh, you know Auburn has, has been a, a, a spectacular failure this year. But they do have, you know, they, they do have players on defense, and let's see, let's see what happens. What about uh, you know what, Duke? You're probably yeah. you're probably including Will Greer in there if he completes that two point conversion pass last week. Yeah, you know. He, yeah, he does some pretty amazing things. You know, I think the other thing that's that's happened over time is. Back in the day, I mean, I've been voting on the Heisman Trophy for 30-some years, and it, originally it was kind of a senior-slash-career award. At yeah. least there was some weight given to that. You know, and we don't do that anymore. No. I mean, I, I don't know that that's good or bad. It's just different. You know, it was it was a, a build-up. You know, the guy who came in with the Heisman hype and delivered deserved a little extra credit, in my mind, and I think a lot of voters' minds. Now it's just all about what have you done lately. And when a guy loses a game that he's supposed to win or, or, a, or a big game at the end of the season, we take him down, and I don't know if that's necessarily good either. No, it's a, you know the problem is freshmen are playing right away now, and so by the time they're sophomores, they expect to, to be... Yeah, the rivalry. world has changed, but it's really hard to, to calculate and... It's still, you know, these guys both these guys both have really good cases. There's no doubt Murray has a good case, and and your guy Minshew has a good case. Yeah. But, my uh, first my first Heisman vote went to Hugh Green, linebacker from Pitt. I think it was 1981. Yeah, that wow. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I was, I, they sent us this life size poster. I thought it was great. Remember when they used to send all the... Uh, I know, I, I always regret that I didn't snatch the one uh, refrigerator Perry. We had it hanging in the uh, the office, and I always meant to sneak in there at night and take it, and I never did. Well, though, you're, you're so right, Luke. I covered the 1987 Irish. Tim Brown won as a wide receiver on a 7-4 and four team. Sure. I mean, just, no matter how good you are now, if your team has four losses, you're not even you're not even being thought of. Yeah, unless hey, you're, well, unless hey, you're, in 37 years, how many high school winners have you voted for? <laughs> I, I have a couple. It's, a, it's probably about the same percentage as winners I pick at the racetrack. <laughs> but, but Lucci, you have, I think you have the best idea in the country this week, and, and you wrote about this for TMG about relegating weaker college football teams like they do in the English Premier League, and people don't know. Uh, you know, if you have a bad year in the English Premier League, um, you get dropped down into a lower league. Now, somebody's—I hear a lot of shuffling going on. I don't know if somebody's scraping, but anyway. But uh, if you, if, why not apply this? Now, of course, practically it can never happen. But why not apply this to college football, Lucci? T- take it away. 
You, you, Mine just was trying to have some fun, a little bit of fun, because, you know, there are, there are only a handful of teams that are, have a chance to be winless in their conference this year. I think it's six, you know, and a couple of Power Five schools. And what's their incentive to get better? What, 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 if they're getting a big, fat paycheck, does Arkansas need to get any better? Rutgers could be headed for a second 0-9 season in Big Ten play three years. But what's the incentive? So, you know? Yeah. I mean, let's shake them up a little. Let's have some fun. It's, it's, it's amateur sports. Well, I, I would love that, except that that's the, the great myth is that it's amateur sports because the key feature for Rutgers is the, the paycheck that comes from the home office in sure. uh, Park Ridge, Illinois, uh, you know, the Big Ten. I mean, this is we, we love to talk competitive, but this is a money thing. And, and I, I think that they've kind of gotten to that point where the Illinois and the Rutgers uh, and Indianas of the world, they try, but they sort of know that it's, it's not going to work out, you know. Yeah. It just, it just the system isn't fair, and uh, neither yeah. is life. But but Lucci's larger point makes per, and you don't have to do it for all sports, football only. Right. Arkansas this year, Arkansas is terrible. They should get moved down to the Sun Belt for one year or whatever, and let them get Houston. and, and uh, yeah, one of those right, right or whatever, or bring and bring the champion of the Sun Belt or the Conference USA up. Same as Rutgers, move them out, move them to the MAC, bring the MAC, let the MAC champion play a year in the Big I, Ten. <laughs> yeah, I'd swap Rutgers to UCF. Rutgers would go to the AAC. Oh, though. AAC, okay, yeah. That's, UCF would come up. Okay. And, you know? and out here, Oregon State, drop them to the Mountain West and bring the Mountain West uh, conference champion into the Pac 12. That's the fairest way to do it. It'll, of course, it'll never. It's funny, I put that out there on Twitter, and people actually thought. Thought you were being serious, you know. Well, it's a ridiculous idea. Well, right, of, of course. course it is. That's but, but you well, know. The other, the, the, let me just add one thing to that. And, and Blau and I have talked about it. Um, part of the problem with all of this, with the, the, the whole system, it's not a level playing field. And <laughs> right. until the NCAA caps athletic department budgets, specifically football, and says, you know, you can only spend up to so much. There's always going to be disparity. I mean, Rutgers is never going to spend as much as Ohio State or Michigan. So you're talking about a $100 million difference. Right. So in some ways, how are they supposed to be competitive? Yeah, and you also have the grandfather rule where, uh, you know, teams like Illinois, no matter how terrible they are over a period of time, they're, they're, they're charter members. Uh, Oregon State you know, is, a, is a charter member of the Pac-12. So, so they have a license to be bad. Uh, and it costs them nothing. They, they they get the same amount of money. But that's the system. The si- you're right. That's that system's not fair. I mean, I just, as soon as we realize that, the better. Um, anyway, Blau, Jersey guy, one um, less miles to Kansas. Is that going to make any difference? Does that excite you? No, it doesn't excite me. But it's you get the Kansas fans who had to deal with some really bad coach, bad coaching hires in the last three, several years. I mean, he'll bring he'll bring a level of interest, and and let's let's face it, I mean, Kansas isn't that far away. Ten years from, from being a uh, you know a, from what a competing team for the Big Twelve <laughs> title. So if they can get seven eight wins, fine, run, let them get it. It'll he'll be bringing interest to the program when they have, when there is none. What it's he, okay. should he should he have waited one day and 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 and, and waited for the Colorado job to open? Well, no, that's <laughs> the hindsight you got to. When, when, when you're less mild again and you're, you make it known for two years that you're interested in a job and no one calls you, 
the first call that comes, you bet, and they and they offer you a job, you, bet, you have to say yes. You have yeah. no choice. Well, Colorado's a sleeping giant. I, 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 that is a job where you can take it to the top. I don't think you can take Kansas to to the top. But anyway, uh, and if you would have waited a week, maybe USC well, would have opened. You know. Oh well, yeah, right. But like, then again, would, would, would Les Miles be a good fit at the USC? I don't. I, probably not. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move. Let's get. Let's start moving out of this. Uh, this exciting podcast, but I want to drop this on Herb. Herbie is a, 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 a quasi sort of golf writer. Does has his own golf site. Tiger versus yeah. Phil. Are you are you paint, shelling out nineteen ninety five, which is more than your book? Nineteen oh eight is the, the price of your book. Are you are you paying for this debacle or is it an embarrassment? No, you know what? As much as I love golf, I, I love golf in season. And I wouldn't pay extra. I don't even know that I would find time to dial it up. You know, there's so much good football going on. I'm not really a big gimmicks sports guy. I don't watch all-star games. I, you know, and Tiger and Phil, it just, it's kind of occurred to me that they're kind of saying hello when it's time to say goodbye. You know, this would have, this would have been a nice thing 20 years ago. But now it's just such an obvious sort of a money grab. It's just obscene. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't interest me. I mean, I would tune it in if I don't have anything better to do and they didn't charge. But beyond that, no. And what, you know, why, how do these guys need $9 million? I, I think if they would have made this a, from the get-go, a charity event, and saying that all the proceeds are going to go to X, Y, Z, and all the pay-per-view, a percentage of the pay-per-view will go to this. But this just seems like a, this is a, just a sheer money grab. Now they got a $200,000 bet on the side. I mean, this is almost, I think, obscene. Lucci, do you have an opinion on this, or do you care? You probably don't even care. Honestly, I don't care. I won't watch it. I won't even read the results, I don't think. <laughs> you know, the, the other part of it is, really, you know, and they did, I think they did this with, with uh, a couples deal, wasn't it like Sergio against Tiger, and they each had a, a female teammate? Uh, you know, yeah. I like that kind of thing better. You know, they play the senior event in Madison, Wisconsin, and they get Andy North paired with like Brett Favre against um, <laughs> you know, I forget who do they have? They have Lee Trevino, and I think they brought in uh, one of the old Yankees. It wasn't A Rod, um, but it was someone like him. Uh, you know, Derek Jeter, you know, and yeah. that's, that's fun because now you got a little bit more going on, but yeah, to just do this and, and you make a great point, uh, uh, Doof, to just make it for charity at the very least. Yeah. Mark, you're a big, go- you love these kind. I think you kind of like this, don't you? I think you like. I, I, I did it one time until I saw how Tiger and Phil performed in a Ryder Cup, and I said, I wasn't still that one. Doof, I would say this, I'm still trying to get my Money back from Billy Jean King and, uh, <laughs> during that tennis match. That uh, was a great Bobby, movie, Bobby by Ray, the way. Billy Jean King. I'm still uh, waiting for my refund. That was a good movie. It was. It was. It was. Uh, went straight Jean to. Carell and um, Emma. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it went, was really well done. It went straight to to airplane, which is where I saw it on you know, flying over overseas. But uh, it was it was well it was well made and never had a chance to succeed. I don't think, but. Uh, it was it no. was well made. Well, it, when I get my, I've, I've entered my 1908 novel in some cinema contests, you know, to turn your book into a movie. So hey, I think that'll make a that'll make a great movie. I, I can't wait for that to happen. I think it would make a good movie. Uh, it's it, it, and I'll let me know if I can help promote that. Uh, who would play 
Who would play the protagonist? Is that are you the protagonist in this or the? Uh, how does that work? Oh, the uh, the young bat boy. That's uh, you. Narrator. We, we all know that. You know, you. We, that's I, a young you. We all know that. Yeah, it would have to be. It would have to be someone younger on the uh, acting scene than I know. You know, the only people that I can think of that I want to put in the movie, they would all be competing to be chubby Charlie Murphy, the owner. Yeah. You know, they're all old guys now. Yeah, no, but that would be a. I think that would be a fun movie. Uh, you know, if you, I would, I would pitch, 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 pitch. Get a meeting, whatever they say out here. I don't know. Uh, all right, anybody else got? You got anything else we can get out of this? Uh, we've done enough damage for the for the week for the holiday weekend. I I think I've hit, I've, I've hit on all the things, and I've completely ignored Notre Dame at USC, which I I think should be ignored. I don't think the Trojans have it in them to. Uh, to upset the Irish, but am I wrong, Herb? I don't think so. No, I you know, I, I would totally agree with you. Uh, this Irish team is really well-balanced. I mean, they do everything pretty well. I, this is a better team than I've seen from Notre Dame. I think I like this team better than the 2012 team. Oh, for sure, you know, just yeah. In terms, just in terms of, you know, they do everything well. They have good linemen. They have good skill guys. They are extremely well-coached. No, I, I, don't, I think actually they might even... You know, except for Alabama, and I wrote this earlier in the week. Except for Alabama, I mean, they can they can they can line up with anybody, including Clemson, who is awfully good. Yeah, they're 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 beefier version. I'm I. This is a true story. At the Orange Bowl, when when Notre Dame took the field for pregame warmups against Alabama, I had the binoculars on both teams, and it was like that. You know, it's like the old World War II things where you're looking through the binoculars and went at one one thing and the other, and I looked at how how much bigger. Alabama was in Alabama, then Notre Dame going, uh oh, these guys are in, these guys are in trouble, you know, just physically. Well, that, you know, that's the really good point with Notre Dame. I mean, their receivers are so physical good and yeah. big. Claypool and Boykin, I would tell people to keep an eye on them. These guys could play tight end, they could play linebacker, but they're they're just those. You see them up close. I saw Claypool at the post game at Northwestern. And this guy is just, a, you know, he's a physical specimen. These guys are really talented and big, like you said. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've summed it up. I'm going to get straight to editing after this podcast. And uh, everybody have a good Thanksgiving, wherever you are. And we will probably be back next week, um, God willing. And uh, until then, everybody, adios. Adios.